Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about my new books. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know that I helped bring my dad's business into the 21st century with Poshmark. I've documented everything we've done so you can start a business right from your closet or expand an existing business with an effective e-commerce solution, even if you don't have a large marketing budget or social media following. The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is now available in paperback and for Kindle. You can also find the Poshmark Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses with worksheets to help you manage your inventory and negotiate effectively and confidently on the platform. Both titles are available on Amazon, where you can find quick access links at bemovingforward.com or in my link tree, which is in the show notes for today's episode. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 396, and we're wrapping up the summer movie series. I've had a great time with this. I hope you have as well. Uh, I enjoyed last year's. I know this year's was shorter because uh, I had a lot of things going on, but I'm glad I've been able to spend at least a little bit of time and a couple of episodes sharing some of my favorite films with you. And today we're going to wrap it up with a classic, a comedy classic, which If you haven't seen, I'm going to recommend you make a point to see this one. Of course, I I say that about all the films that I've covered, but this one in particular, I think is not only a great comedy, but a great escape. And if you're not able to travel right now, if you just need a little bit of a break, especially with the holiday weekend coming up, this movie is almost like a mental vacation. And I'll explain a little bit uh, more about that uh, as we get into the review. But it is 1988's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It is a comedy film. It is brilliant. And uh, I am so excited to talk about it. Now, it was actually a toss-up. I will say this. It was a toss-up between that film and one of my other favorite films, Forrest Gump, from 1994. And I even considered doing another double feature episode. But I think both of these movies should be uh, discussed on their own. So I'm going to table Forrest Gump for now. I may discuss it on a future episode, maybe next summer. But for today, we're going to talk about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Just a little bit of background information. It was directed by Frank Oz. Now, that's a really interesting name that some of you may be familiar with. Frank Oz is most famous for being a puppeteer and voiceover actor. He has voiced and brought to life some of the most famous Muppets from, uh, I, I believe, Miss Piggy and, of course, Kermit the Frog. He is most well-known to many, many fans of many generations as being the voice of Yoda from the Star Wars films. But what many of you may not know is that Frank Oz is a very multi-talented, multi-faceted individual. He's also directed a lot of films. So he is one of those individuals who can kind of do it all. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is one of the films that he directed. The cast, it is a phenomenal cast in this film. You have Steve Martin. He plays Freddie Benson. He is a drifter and a low-level con artist. So he goes around scamming women out of money and just basically coming up with sob stories. And the film opens up with him on a train in Europe. And he kind of cons his way into first class. He cons a wealthy woman out of treating him to dinner. So he's kind of a drifter, 
uh, just kind of like street con artist, and he is just absolutely hilarious in this film. You have Michael Caine, who plays Lawrence Jameson, and he is the counterpoint to Steve Martin. So this is really one of those odd couple matchup type of movies, you know, like the odd couple, that sort of thing. This is kind of like a buddy uh, pairing of opposites. So he plays also a con artist, but he's much more refined. He's much more educated. And he basically does the same thing. He scams wealthy women out of their money, but he does so on a much higher scale at a much higher level, such that he's been able to finance a very lavish lifestyle. So he has his chateau. He has uh, these fancy cars. He has uh, he even has a collection of wine and fine art, all of which he's been able to amass by scamming women out of their money. And uh, the the cast is rounded out. The main cast is rounded out by the late, great Glenn Headley. She plays Janet Colgate. And I'll talk more about her character. She is fantastic in this film. And she has an incredible body of work. Many of you may remember her if you watched ER back in the day. I believe she had a uh, major role on that show in the later seasons. Uh, she was also the uh, one of the co-leads in Mr. Holland's Opus, which is another great film that I may save for a future film series. But Glenn Headley, she is phenomenal in this movie. She stands toe-to-toe with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. And in a supporting role, I've got to give a mention to Ian McDiarmid. He plays uh, Lawrence Jamison's smart-mouth butler named Arthur. Now, Ian McDiarmid is a name that'll be familiar, speaking of Star Wars and Frank Oz, as the actor who played the Emperor, or Palpatine, or Sidious, he goes by many different names, in both the Star Wars prequels, but also in Return of the Jedi, and he reprised the role in the latest, or the last film, uh, which was Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So Ian McDiarmid... also acted in a number of films. And this was post-Return of the Jedi. So this is 1988. This is about five years removed from that. And it's great to see him uh, playing a completely different character, just about as far removed as you can get from uh, the Emperor in Star Wars. So the setting. This film takes place in a fictional town on the French Riviera called, I believe it's Beaumont-sur-Mer, which actually the real town that it was filmed in, I think, actually has a name that's very close to it, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. But it is a beautiful film. And that's when I say that this film was like uh, taking a vacation. So if you're not able to travel right now but you or you need something of an escape, you need some light entertainment, this is a perfect film because... In addition to the scenery, you have a great musical score, and all of that just kind of uh, creates this really wonderful kind of relaxing getaway. Even though this is a movie ostensibly about two con artists, there's something very relaxing about this movie, just from the scenery, the pacing, the comedic timing, just seeing the beautiful sets and the scenery— I think this this movie is a great escape, so I think you can enjoy it on that level. All right, so the basic plot. So as Freddy is drifting, he's on this train. He ends up in Beaumont-sur-Mer. He meets Lawrence Jameson on the train, and Lawrence Jameson is just pretending to be just a wealthy traveler, 
And Freddie, he observes Freddie conning this woman out of uh, buying him, uh, you know, a first class meal and everything. And Freddie is boasting to Lawrence. They, you know, Lawrence has a private cabin and, and Freddie uh, comes in and sits down and just they just start chatting. And Freddie is bragging about how he's an expert with women and he's been able to, you know, basically con them out of uh, giving him money around the level. He's like a $50, several hundred dollar kind of scam artist. And Lawrence Jameson is pretending to be impressed by this. So he he's not revealing who he is. And Lawrence is based out of Beaumont-sur-Mer. That's his base of operations. And Freddie says that he's heading there uh, because he's heard it's a target-rich environment, as, as he might put it. And Lawrence is a little kind of concerned about this. He doesn't want this this drifter coming into town, into his territory. So he, he convinces him not to uh, not to come to Beaumont-sur-Mer, saying that it's mostly retired couples. And then so he temporarily convinces Freddie to pass the town. So Lawrence thinks that he's uh, he's he's gotten rid of him. And Lawrence is in cahoots with the local police uh, captain, who's basically part of this corrupt scheme that these two run with the wealthy tourists who come into Beaumont-sur-Mer. And then uh, there's a great scene where Lawrence is getting off the train, and the and Lawrence is explaining about Freddie, and the police chief is like, "Well, surely he's no competition for you. So why did you even bother getting rid of him?" And Lawrence is explaining that. You know, he, uh, an amateur like Freddie might scare away what he says, I think in his own words, he might scare away the big game. So he, they, they, it's just very character rich. And although these characters do very despicable things, they're also likable in a comedic sort of way. So I, they pull off that feat of doing despicable things, but they tend to be also have aspects of them that are likable. So it's an interesting mix, and it's not many actors, I think, who can pull that off, but obviously you've got Steve Martin, you've got Michael Caine, they're at the top of their class, so I think they are able to pull off these kind of characters very well. So what happens is that Freddie ends up coming back into town, and he's trying to scam women uh, on the beach. So Lawrence basically has him arrested. He convinces the police chief to arrest him as a vagrant. And Freddie finds out that Lawrence is really uh, a master at this, you know, what he calls this scam thing. And he wants Lawrence to tutor him. He wants him to mentor him to up his own level. As, as Freddie says, I didn't even know how far you could get with this scamming thing. And of course, Lawrence doesn't want to do it. But Freddie basically blackmails him by saying, well, I'll just kind of reveal your secrets and ruin your business. So Lawrence, uh, with the intention of getting rid of Freddie, takes him under his wing. And this is one of the most hilarious montages where you see Lawrence trying to teach Freddie the finer life, the finer things in life. So he has him go to museums. He has him uh, look at his art and wine collection and Freddie's like, well, I don't get it. So why are we looking at all this art? Why are we looking at this wine that we're not going to drink? And Lawrence is basically trying to instill in him, well, you have to have refined taste 
before you can be you can you can start being a high level scam artist. So he's basically saying you need to have the refined taste, you need to understand the first class lifestyle before you can become a first class crook. And eventually Freddie gets tired of this and decides to leave, which is Lawrence's intent and um and says forget it. I was doing fine on my own. I'll just do this my way and then Next thing you know, Freddie is back trying to scam women in this town. So Lawrence wants to get rid of Freddie. Freddie doesn't want to leave, and they end up butting heads. And so they come up with this competition, this bet. And basically, whoever can scam the most amount of money first is the winner, and the loser has to leave town. And this is around the time that Janet arrives. So she arrives into Beaumont-sur-Mer. Both Freddie and Lawrence spot her and. She appears to be this wealthy tourist. And so they decide that she is going to be the, uh, the, the person that they choose for this bet. And so <laughs> this is where the film goes completely off the rails. It is absolutely hilarious. Around the midpoint when uh, Freddie is first introducing himself to uh, Janet, he, he does so at a casino. She's at a casino, I think, playing uh, roulette and he shows up in this ridiculous getup where he's wearing a uh, a military uniform and he's pretending to be a wheelchair bound veteran who lost the use of his legs when he was so traumatized because his fiance left him and he needs money to see a world renowned uh, therapist and uh, the, uh, you know, he says, you know, the, the cost is so high, I, I can't see, I, you know, I can't afford it yet, so I'm just saving up, et cetera, et cetera. And Janet, you know, of course, is very sympathetic and everything and, and feels sorry for him. And Lawrence overhears this. And basically what he ends up doing is he one-ups Freddie by pretending to be the therapist, this Dr. Emil Schaffhausen, and he does so complete with an accent. So uh, Lawrence is a master at not, you know, he's sort of a master of disguise. He can do a lot of accents, and that's part of his shtick when he's, um, you know, basically conning wealthy tourists out of their money is that he pretends to be uh, other people, and he does all of these different accents. So he pretends to be Dr. Schuffhaus, and obviously, to the great dismay of Freddie, and there's this unbelievable scene where Dr. Schaffhausen seems to have the one up on Freddy where he is trying to get him to basically basically you know get him to move again and Freddy's claiming he can't feel anything in his legs because he's so traumatized so there's this unbelievable scene where um, Lawrence is basically testing uh, you know, Freddie's legs by swatting at them. And it is so funny. It is so crazy. And then the movie evolves as Janet's getting to know both of these individuals. And it's revealed that Janet's actually not a wealthy woman. She's um, she's actually uh, just kind of just a middle-class person who won a contest. And that's why she's on this all-expense-paid trip. And so that changes the bet. So basically Lawrence's, um, I guess, one redeeming quality is that he, you know, he only cons people who are super wealthy and in his words, rich and corrupt. He doesn't spoil rich, corrupt people. He doesn't con people who are, you know, good hearted. He doesn't con people who don't have a lot of money. And so they decide to change the bet. And Freddie being the crass one comes up with, okay, well, whoever can seduce her first. So uh, he's starting to develop some feelings for Janet. So he changes that to the bed. And 
Lawrence doesn't really want to have any of that. So he says, all right, well, I I will agree to this, but only to see you fail. I'm not going to actually try to seduce her. I only want to see you fail. So they changed the bet to that. And then the rest of this film is basically Freddie trying to seduce Janet. And I won't give away what happens towards the last act and, and the end, but basically it is a punch out ending. It is so good. And... Glenn Headley is wonderful. She practically steals this movie. So I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to invite you to watch this film. It is wonderful. It is funny. It is witty. It's got everything from lowbrow humor to very, very uh, smart, dry humor. I think you're going to enjoy this a lot. So there's a big twist ending, and uh, I love that they did this. Oh, uh, a little bit of trivia. The twist ending for this film was not in the original story, as I understand it. In fact, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a remake of an older film with Marlon Brando and uh, David Niven called Bedtime Story. And I haven't seen that one, but I understand that um, the ending for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was actually rewritten kind of at the last minute. And I'm so glad they did because it is such a satisfying ending. It is so great, and it's just... Uh, it's it's one of those that you don't really see coming. So I, I think you will really enjoy it. Uh, this movie was remade in 2019 uh, called The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. I haven't seen that either. So I don't know uh, how these other films are, but Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a classic. Uh, I will give you my rating in the good and the bad. Uh, I give this a perfect five stars out of five. I think this is a perfect comedic film. It has poignancy, it has great characters, it has people, I mean, basically, these are characters that you despise on one level, but then at the same time, you find them likable. And, and I have just have to say, that comes down to the actors who are portraying them. It is very difficult to portray a character with such <laughs> unredeeming qualities who you can find something about them that's likable, and I think that is just a credit to Steve Martin and Michael Caine in their performances. As I said, Ian McDermott has a small role, and he's really funny in the scenes that he appears in. So the good, I would say fantastic performances by the leads. And as I said, I, I think Glenn Headley in many ways steals the show. I mean, they're just kind of this wonderful trio. Beautiful location. This movie really is like a vacation. So I, I can recommend it just on that alone. Uh, everything about the scenery, about the, the cinematography just captures it perfectly. And third, wonderful, witty story, as I mentioned, punctuated by dry and lowbrow humor with an amazing ending, which I thought was so well done. I don't have any negatives. I actually don't have any criticisms of this. All of these characters are so distinct and so memorable, and it's just their performances bring to life a really great story. So I don't have any negatives. I have a wish list. And uh, although it was not my intent to do a wish list with every review, uh, I, I think I've done one with almost every film that I've talked about with the series. So my wish list is that the ending of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I think, perfectly set up a sequel. In fact, this, the ending actually works both ways. It works as a conclusion to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but I also think it's set up a sequel. I would have loved to have seen a sequel with these characters, and I think they could have actually done something like an Ocean's Eleven. They could have 
brought in uh, more famous actors. I think they could have they could have been Ocean's Eleven before Ocean's Eleven. And when I say before, before the, the George Clooney film, I know Ocean's Eleven had a 1960s film, but they could have done an Ocean's Eleven type of sequel. In fact, I could picture a trilogy. They could have done a trilogy of films. That was probably not their intent as this is a remake. So I think this was a one and done. And unfortunately, uh, Glenn Headley passed away a few years ago. Otherwise, I would say they could have even done a follow-up now. It would be so. It would have been so cool to see a revisit with these characters. But I think the lost opportunity was to capitalize and follow up soon after this film with a sequel. Because it did do quite well. It was actually for a comedy. It actually did quite well at the box office. So where can you see... Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It currently, as far as I can tell, it's not currently streaming on any of the major networks, but I see it pop up fairly regularly, at least I think once a year, if not twice, on places like Amazon Prime or HBO Max. So it is a movie that stands the test of time. So many of you may have seen it, but if you have not, I highly recommend it. Um, I'm also going to recommend, and I should have mentioned this with every uh, film review that I've done, check Hoopla. And if you don't know what Hoopla is, it is a great mobile app that works in conjunction with your library card where you can check out not only books and audiobooks, but you can check out films and television shows. So you might be able to find Dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, to check out of your library and just stream it on your app. Of course, you can go to your physical library and see if they have it on uh, Blu-ray or DVD if you want to check it out on physical media. And of course, I will have affiliate links if you want to rent or purchase this film from Amazon in the write-up. So that is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in a nutshell. I think it's a great film to end this series uh, on for this summer. I hope you've enjoyed all of the the films that I've talked about over the last couple of weeks. I've really enjoyed sharing this with you as well. So next week... With episode 397, we will be resuming the regular part of the season. We'll be going back to our normal air schedule on Thursday. And I'm excited because next week I've got a fantastic guest who will be joining me for episode 397. And then uh, we'll be talking about some great things over the coming weeks. So I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. The write-up for this episode is at bemovingforward.com. And I'll be back next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review. It helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.